That's my prayer today. Lord, keep making me, because I have not arrived. We're continuing our series today called What God Wants for Me. What God Wants for Me, that's right. Pastor Barry Perry has been teaching us that what God wants for us is to pursue a relationship with Jesus. That's God's purpose for us, to pursue a relationship with Jesus. So we're going to do a little bit of review. Uh, how did he say we're to pursue a relationship with Jesus? Nobody knows. <laughs> Perry's right there. He said it. By faith. By faith. Answers are on the outline. It'll tell you there. <laughs> By faith. That's God's plan for us, to pursue a relationship with Jesus by faith, through communicating with God. That's obvious, we, we build a relationship as we communicate. Uh, through connecting with Christians, we actually experience the body of Christ when we get together as his followers. So connecting with Christians is a way to pursue relationship with Jesus. And then third, through caring for others. Caring for others. Jesus said, when we do good things for those who are considered to be the least of these, he said, you're doing it for me. So this is another way we can build relationship with Jesus. So we've talked about in the last few weeks what God wants us to do. And we've talked about how to do it. And today we're going to talk about why. Why does God want us to pursue a relationship with Jesus? What's the ultimate result of and reason for God's process? It's because he wants all of us to experience transform life. He wants us to have life, real life. God's process produces a transformed life. I'm so thankful for the signs of transformation uh, that we see today. Uh, we, we saw the story of Mary Scheimer Mary, I want to thank you for opening yourself up, showing the changes that God has made in you. And talk about transformation. I, I don't know if we were at this point years ago, but I'm blown away by the generosity of our church. In, in one week, I mean, that's, that's pretty significant. In one week to give $217,000 outside of ourselves, none of it's going to Brookwood or to anywhere here, it's all going to those kids in India. Uh, right after many of you gave for these children at the Set Free Alliance Gala, some of you gave twice. Uh, doesn't that feel like this is how church ought to be, how life ought to be? Showing love to others, showing love to Jesus by being so generous. I mean, there's something inside that feels right. This is how it ought to be. That's an experience of transformed life. And that's why God wants us to pursue relationship with Jesus, so that we'll have that experience of transformed life, so we'll have real life. Now, you might ask, but isn't it obvious that I have life already? I'm breathing, I'm existing. Why would I need someone to give me life when I'm already living? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. You may be breathing, but that is not all that's included in really living. 
I believe there's a difference between existing outside of a relationship with Jesus and experiencing life in a relationship with Jesus. It's like the difference between the two trees on the screen. I hope they're there. <laughs> One tree's just existing. No source of life, no water, no signs of life. If you had to label that tree with one word, what word would you use? Death. It's existing, but it looks like death. I would also use the word death. Now, the Brookwood tree looks like more than just existing. There's a good source of life in the water, signs of life in the leaves. How would you label the Brookwood tree? Life. Yes, I agree, life. Which tree looks more like you? Some of us are just existing and we don't know what we're missing. Are you existing or are you experiencing life? So today we're gonna take a deeper look at three key words that remind us why God wants us to pursue relationship with Jesus. The first word is experience. God wants us to have more than an existence of survival. He wants us to experience life. It's why Jesus came. It's why he did the things he did. It's why he died for us. It's why he said the things he said. It's why the Bible was written. Let's look at John 20, verse 31. Open your Bibles or your phones or whatever it takes to find John 20, verse 31. John 20, verse 31. It says, but these are written, when he's talking about these, he's talking about the, uh, the words of Jesus, the account of Jesus' life. It says, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So the gospel accounts of Jesus' words and actions were written so that you would believe in Jesus and thus experience life. In fact, I believe that's the purpose of the whole Bible so that we would believe in Jesus and find life. The experience of life begins with believing in Jesus and believing in Jesus comes from getting to know him through personal experience, through personal experience. If you look a little, a little further back in, in John, John 17, three, just a couple of pages back, this is the words of Jesus. He says, this is the way to have eternal life. Here's how you can have eternal life. The way is to know you, God, the only true God, and to know Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. The way to eternal life, both a quality of life and a quantity of life, is through knowing Jesus. And our knowledge of Jesus, our belief in Jesus, starts and increases through experiencing him. Just knowing about Jesus is not the same 
as experiencing him. The word experience uh, could be used in place of the word know uh, in the Bible. It's an expression of, of more than just knowing about somebody. It's actually knowing somebody intimately, experiencing someone. So we may know about Jesus, but if we haven't experienced him, experienced him we don't really know him. Let me illustrate. The first time I saw a picture of the sister of my seminary roommate, did somebody say amen? Uh, I said, I would like to meet this person to my, to my roommate, but I didn't know her. So my roommate told me a few things about her and he said, you stay away from her. I went home with him one weekend thinking I might get to see her, but uh, his sister was not home that weekend. So I asked his parents if I could stay in her room. And I got in her room and I looked at her pictures, looked at her stuff. <laughs> Open the closet. I wanted to get to know her, but I didn't know her. She wasn't there. And when I met her and experienced her smile for just a moment, I still didn't know her, but I, I began to be interested. I wanted to. And then when I saw her again and experienced a brief hug from her, I really wanted to know her. And when I experienced an extended conversation with her, I began to pursue a relationship with her. I got to know her as we communicated with each other, as we spent time together. And when I trusted my life to her through marriage, and as I have experienced relationship with her, my life has been transformed. Just knowing about her is different than experiencing her. I know her now through an experience. I didn't know what I was missing before. And I never want to go back to living without that relationship. The experience of life with my wife doesn't compare to existence without her. In a similar way, we know Jesus as we communicate with him, as we spend time with him. Just sitting in this room, looking at his people, looking at his stuff, hearing things about him, doesn't mean we really know him. We experience life as we truly experience Jesus. So what do we do to experience Jesus and thus experience life? One thing we can do is experience his power, his power. We get to know Christ better as we experience his power. Philippians 3.10. We're going to look at a lot of verses today. Philippians 3.10. Almost toward the back. Philippians 3.10. This is Paul speaking. He's speaking about his desire. Philippians 3.10 says, Paul speaking, he said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to experience that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Then he said, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. So how do we experience the power of Jesus. We do that first by giving up control. 
we die to self. Jesus said, if anybody's going to follow me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Let Jesus take charge. That's a way to begin to experience his power. We ask him to do things that are beyond our power to do. Take every need to him and then watch for what he does. In John chapter 9, there's a story of a man who was born blind. And Jesus' disciples asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his sins or his parents' sins? They, they thought somebody must have caused this. And Jesus said in John 9 verse 3, he said it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. This happened so this man could experience God's power and so that others could see the evidence of God's power. So this blind man experienced the power of God when he was healed by Jesus. God wants us to experience his power as we give up control to him and ask him to do things that are beyond our power. Sometimes that may mean a miracle. Sometimes it may mean that God does what you ask him for. Sometimes it may mean healing. But sometimes it may just mean getting through the day because you know God is with you. Sometimes God shows his power by giving us his strength through times of suffering. Suffering is another way to experience Jesus. We can experience God in our suffering because God shows his power in the midst of suffering. Paul said, again, in that Philippians 3 passage, he said, I want to suffer with Jesus because Paul knew that Christ's power works best in our weakness. Though the blind man was healed by Jesus, Paul was not healed of his thorn in the flesh. Paul begged God to take away this problem. Whatever the thorn in the flesh was, it was a problem. It was something Paul wanted to, to be rid of. It was something Paul took to God, asked God to remove from him. And we see uh, what happened in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. Paul says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. I was begging God to take away this problem. He was suffering. And here's God's response. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. When we experience suffering, we have an opportunity. It's an opportunity to experience the strength of God in our weakness and we get a taste of real life. Now, how does that work? When I'm suffering, I get a taste of real life. It's because the life of God can be sensed in our weakness. So whether we are healed or whether we suffer, we can experience Jesus. And my favorite way to experience Jesus is to experience his love. Experience his love. We get to know Christ as we experience his love. We find life in that experience. Ephesians 3.19. This is our memory verse for the week. Ephesians 3.19. Let's turn there. 
Ephesians 3.19 says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. It's, it's, it's bigger than we can comprehend, but let, as much as we can, let's experience his love. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. May you experience his love so that you will be made complete with the fullness of life. So how do we experience his love? By reading his love letter to us, by reading the Bible. We can experience his love by asking God, God, what do you want me to know? And then then just listen for the thoughts he puts in your mind. We experience his love by thanking him through the day for the things that we notice that come from him. We experience his love from others when we let them care for us or when we care for them. And as we experience his love, which is what we hope happens when we gather here like this, we hope that his love is so overpowering when we gather that people who don't know him will sense that and be drawn to him. When we experience his love, we experience life. So as we experience Jesus, we can experience life. But what is God's process to take us from death to life? What happens when we experience Jesus? We're transformed. We're transformed. It is very hard to remain the same when we truly experience Christ. As we experience Jesus, we're transformed from people who are merely existing to people who are experiencing life. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't don't keep following what is natural. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect then you will be experiencing real life. Now, I've heard many people say, well, this is just how I am. I was born this way. I can't change. Just let me be me. And that saddens me. That way of thinking shows no hope of life. We're all born with a tendency towards self-focus, towards sin. It's a disease we've all got. And giving in to this tendency to let my self-focus drive me steals the life away from me. The ways of our flesh, the ways of the world, the ways of the devil, they take life away from us. And that's what our bodies and our brains naturally lead us toward, the ways of death. So in order to truly experience life, both in eternity and here, I'm going to have to be changed. I'm going to have to be transformed into a new person. I cannot truly experience life if I remain satisfied with the way I was born. I cannot truly experience life if I remain satisfied with the way I was born. In order to experience life, I must be born again and be transformed. And that happens through a change in the way I think. So how do I get my thinking changed? 
by pursuing a relationship with Jesus, by faith through communicating with God, connecting with Christians, caring for others. This will transform us. And this will transform you into a person who experiences life, real life, not just existing, life. We talked about this last Christmas when we talked about why Jesus came. He came to give us life. If you look at John 10, verse 10, in the English Standard Version, Jesus said, I came that they may have life. That's why he came. And then he describes it. And that they may have it abundantly. Abundantly. He wants us to have abundant life. So what does abundant life look like? Well, first, God wants us to have life that is forever. Abundant life is forever. It's life years upon years upon years upon years. It's forever. But in case you didn't already know, we're all going to die. Our bodies are dying. Physically, from the moment we're born, we're moving toward death. And our bodies could die at any moment. Nice, uplifting thought for you today. But there is this longing inside of us to live forever. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit well with us when a loved one dies. We, we don't like it. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God has planted eternity in the human heart. There's something inside of us that senses that we are made for eternity. We may want to live forever, but when we really stop to think about it, we recognize our bodies are going to die, and it won't be very long till that happens. If that brings some nervousness or some anxiety to your mind, that's a feeling that accompanies a living death. That's not a feeling that accompanies life because God wants us to live forever. John 3, 16, one of our favorite verses, says, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Over and over we see in the scripture God wants us to have life. That's why God sent Jesus to die for us, so that we could live forever. But we cannot produce eternal life for ourselves. As hard as we try, and as many cures for disease as we find, we can't manufacture eternal life. We can't conquer death on our own power. It's the penalty for sin that we all inherit the penalty for sin that we all deserve. We all sin and we'll all die. Romans 6 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So what we earn with the actions of our life is the penalty of death. Not only a physical death, but missing out on the life that God has for us on this earth. Despite our efforts, we can't avoid it. But we can accept, we can receive the free gift of eternal life through a relationship with Jesus Christ when we believe that he died for us. He died in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. 
and when we trust him as the Lord and master of our life, you can accept that gift of eternal life. It's a free gift to you. It's the type of life God wants for you. It's the type of life God wants you to experience forever. That's why he wants us to pursue a relationship with Jesus. But this life is more than just forever. It is also full. He wants us to have a life that's full. In the New International Version of John 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. The version we read earlier said abundant. God wants us to have abundant life. The New Living Translation says he wants us to have a rich and satisfying life. The word used here in the original Greek is the word parasos. It means over and above, more than is necessary, exceeding abundantly, superior, extraordinary, surpassing. Uh, and from, if you're from uh, South Louisiana, they say more better. Abundant. It, it's more than we can describe. Life to the full. A life that's much more satisfying than you can manufacture on your own. More than full. Overflowing. Full of purpose. Full of what is best about life. I want us to look at Galatians 5 and see some descriptions of the type of things God wants us to have when we have a full life. Life that is full of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 tells us the things that he wants us to see in our lives. Verse 22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How would you like to have an overabundance of these things? God wants you to experience a life that's filled with these characteristics. So why do we need God to experience these? Because when we focus on self, then we experience the things that lead to death. Romans 8, 6 says, letting your sinful nature, letting yourself control your mind, leads to death, leads to the things that we experience when we are apart from God. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So when the Spirit controls your mind, you experience life. Life is God intended. You experience peace. But when you let your focus be on pleasing yourself, when your top priority is to let your feelings or your body or your wants determine what is best for you and for those around you, then you're going to experience all kinds of undesirable consequences. Let's look at some of those consequences. Still in Galatians 5, in verse 19, we see some of the consequences of focusing on self. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. As we read through these, think of the ones that you've experienced. Sexual immorality impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, 
drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God, will not have the kind of life that comes with living with God as king of their life. When we follow the desires of our flesh, of our own minds, our own feelings, it leads to these kind of things. First one listed here is sexual immorality. So prevalent in our culture. Unfortunately, even prevalent in our churches. Many of us can testify to the pain that comes with living in that. And many are physically dying today as a result of giving themselves to sexual immorality. It's not what God wants for us. Outburst of anger. Think of how it feels to live with that or to live with someone who expresses that. I want us to read through this list again. The results of following the desires of your sinful nature. I want you to identify one that you've experienced. I'd say probably all of us have experienced at least one. Identify one you've experienced. What were the feelings that came with experiencing that? There may have been feelings of fun for a moment, but the lasting feelings, what were those like? What were the results of living in that? It's not, it's not life as God intended. It's not even life like any of us would want. For me, the result of focusing on my sinful nature was anxiety. How wonderful the peace of God tastes when you live with anxiety or nervousness or fear. Why does God want us to pursue a relationship with Jesus? So that we can experience life that is full. Full of things like love and joy and peace. And God also wants us to experience a life that is free. That is free. Free from being controlled by the things that lead to death, the things we just read. Free from the pursuit of pleasing our sinful nature or trying to please others. Free from the anxiety that comes from focusing on ourselves. Free from the lies we believe that cause us to be perfectionistic because we think we aren't good enough or that cause us to be depressed because we think we're not worthy of being loved. Don't you want to be free of that anger, that bitterness, those addictions, those ways of reacting to situations that just seem crazy when you think about it. In John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus tells us how to be free. John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, that's most of us here, he said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. If you continue to read, study, live, obey, carry out my teachings. He said, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth. His words are the truth and the truth can set you free. The truth that you are his child 
if you believe that he died for you and rose from the dead and if you trust your life to him, the truth that he loves you and nothing can separate you from his love, the truth can set you free, free from the things that cause your existence to feel like a living death. (coughs) As a child, I was set free from the lie that terrible things will happen to me if something happens to my parents. When Jesus spoke to me, when, when he put the thoughts in my mind that, that I am his child, he said, you are my child and I will take care of you. And later in my life when I struggled with the lie that, that I, wasn't, I wasn't good enough to be loved by God, that I didn't deserve the Father's love, that I had to earn it, In my sin and self-centeredness, as I cried out for forgiveness, I sensed God saying to me, I love you just as much as I've ever loved you, and nothing is going to change that. That truth transformed me. That truth set me free. The truth of Jesus speaking in our minds, the truth of Jesus speaking to us through his word, the truth of Jesus that we experience when we experience his love will set us free. Why does God want us to pursue a relationship with Jesus? So that we can experience transformed life that is free, that is full, that is forever. Isn't that good news? Feels good to say it. So what about you? Are you just existing? Are you you like the dying tree that we looked at? No roots in a source of life? No signs of life, you're just existing? Or are you experiencing life today, like like the Brookwood tree? Great source of life in the water of life, Jesus. Vibrant leaves showing signs of life. Will you choose life by pursuing a relationship with Jesus? Will you put your roots down into Jesus, the source of life? by communicating with him, by connecting with Christians, by caring for others, we have a choice to make. The same choice was given to the children of Israel back in Deuteronomy chapter 30. It says, this is the choice given by God. He said, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants may live, may truly live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, by obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. Choose life today. When you see that Brookwood tree, that Brookwood logo, It represents life. Those leaves represent signs of life. If you come next week, Perry will begin talking about what are those signs of life. But here's a way you can experience Jesus this week, our soul training. Our soul training is each day, ask Jesus to give you a sense of his love for you. And then just listen, just be quiet and listen for the thoughts that he puts in your mind. Jesus, show me how you love me. 
and listen for the thoughts he puts in your mind. And here's another way you can experience Jesus. Memorize this verse, Ephesians 3.19. I want you to say these phrases after me. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Let's, let's pursue a relationship with Jesus this week and choose life. I'd like our care volunteers to come down front. If you want to talk with someone about how to start a relationship with Jesus, or how to further pursue that relationship, or if you just want someone to pray with you, we'll have these care volunteers down in front of the stage. There's also some at the care connection room out of the concourse, and they'll be available to you uh, now and after the service. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you so much for your love and the life that you promise us through Jesus. Father, I pray that uh, your spirit would speak to each one of us Remind us how much you love us. Show us real life in you. Thank you for what you'll do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here.